Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, Homeschool Life Coach at Capturing the Charmed Life. I'm dedicating this season of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast to the overwhelmed homeschool mama, because you'd rather be clear, confident, and satisfied in your homeschool and life. This season is for you if you know you've got unrealistic expectations of yourself and of your time, and you know that you've got way more time planned in the day than you do actually have time. This season is for you if you know you've got challenges or triggers and you haven't figured out how to address them yet. So if this is you, welcome Homeschool Mama. Today I get to introduce you to Amy Otto. Amy's married to her high school sweetheart, Nick, and together they homeschool their two kids aged 9 and 11. Amy grew up in rural Michigan, but she now makes her home in New England where she has built a life around slowing down and savoring time together as a family. When Amy's not homeschooling, she loves reading, going for walks, and spending time in nature, and she is blessed to lead the Homeschool Compass Community and Podcast where she encourages families to step off the mainstream and embrace the freedom and flexibility of homeschooling. Amy and I have a great discussion talking about how we can allow our kids to learn from the studies or the readings that they want and let them run with it. We talk about not letting our fear or intimidation of the future affect our present moment, like anticipating a child having to do calculus when really they're just in kindergarten. We talk about how our original homeschool vision aligns with how we are presently manifesting it. Amy acknowledges that who we are as parents influences how we approach our children's home educations. And we talk about self-awareness strategies like journaling that help us externalize what's in our heads. Amy encourages us. She says we love our plans, but we have to hold them loosely because if we cling too tightly to what we think we want, we might miss out on the beauty of the day. So Homeschool Mama, I introduce you to Amy Otto. It is so lovely to see you again, Amy. Welcome back to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. It's really great to talk to you. So I'm taking a look at your podcast, which is the Homeschool Compass. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you have this opportunity to connect with all sorts of homeschool moms all over the country, um, all over the countries, because I'm in Canada, you're in the U.S., and, and I'm thinking to myself, what got you started in this? What got you interested in starting a podcast? Yes. So Homeschool Compass is run by christianbook.com. And so they had a point a couple of years back where they were trying to decide what is a good way for us to encourage homeschool families. They are a really supportive company to work for, and they love homeschoolers, uh, and they love helping people pick homeschool curriculum. And so a podcast was just an extent of that, a way to um, encourage people. I don't know about you, but I love listening to podcasts. I have podcasts going all the time while I'm washing the dishes, yeah, going for a too. walk. Yeah. Yes. And so it's just so convenient in this day and age to be able to um, hear other people's stories and to be encouraged by other people's experiences, even in the midst of busy homeschool life. So it's been really fun getting to connect with other homeschool moms that way and share those conversations with other people too. 
So for those that don't know you, would you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your homeschool? Yeah, I would love to. My name is Amy um, and I am a mom of two. So I have a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old right now. Um, and I knew before I even had kids that I wanted to homeschool. I didn't grow up being homeschooled myself, um, but I had some friends that I met along the way in middle school and high school that had been homeschooled for part of their education. And they were really thoughtful, passionate kids. And I thought, this sounds really cool. I would really like to do that one day. So I met my husband uh, when we were teenagers. I was 14 and he was 15. And then we started dating a few years later, but I distinctly remember one of our very early dates. We were sitting at this little restaurant um, outside and I told him, I am really seriously planning on homeschooling one day. So if that's not cool with you, we should probably not keep seeing each other. Uh, but he was more than happy to, to head in that direction. Um, and it's turned out to be this really fun adventure for us as a family. He does a lot of the homeschooling with me. And uh, so we figure that out together. And it's been, it's been a really wonderful thing for our family. What a story. You've got that two, two elements that I don't hear very often is that you were actually, you met your partner way back, way, way, way back, not even the late homeschool year or high school years. Um, and then also you decided to homeschool before you even had kids. That is remarkable. That's a story that I don't often hear. Every once in a while, I connect with someone that says they are just checking out homeschooling because they think they want to do this with their kids. And I say, tell me about your kids. And they say, I don't have any. And I go, wow. <laughs> now that that's planning. <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh at myself sometimes looking back because when I was in my early, early 20s, I remember walking into a bookstore and they had, of course, The Well-Trained Mind by Susan Wise Bauer, which was all the rage, um, you know, in the early 2000s. And I picked that up and I poured over that book and I just wrote all of these plans. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> you can't plan your homeschool in advance like that. None of that has come to fruition. Um, because the Absolutely. kids that I actually have in front of me, you know, are their own exactly. unique human beings. And so you can't plan for that ahead of time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was actually going to ask you that. So how did it bear out in the way that you thought it would? Um, and as per usual, it didn't bear out the way that you thought it would. In what ways was it different? Yeah, so I envisioned that I would be the stay-at-home mom and that I would be with the kids 24 hours a day. My husband would go off to work. Um, and we tried that for a couple of years and no one in the family was really thriving in that. My husband was, you know, feeling the burden of providing for the family all on his shoulders. And I was, you know, burnt out on caring for little ones all the time. Uh, and so we eventually kind of started to shift. I had the opportunity to come do this work with the homeschool compass. Um, and my husband's a therapist, so he has some flexibility about setting his schedule. So he kind of scaled back what he was doing outside the home so that he could pick up more of the homeschooling. And now we sort of have this system where in the mornings, generally, he's with the kids doing some school and I'm doing things for work and then we sort of switch shifts and I do other things in the afternoon and whatever kind of was left over from the morning and he goes and does his work and then we have a lot of good family time 
um, in the evenings and on the weekends. And so for us, that has been a great way for me to kind of um, cultivate my own identity apart from motherhood. Yeah. And also kind of share in some of the load of providing for our family and the kids have just blossomed with that extra time with their dad. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been really sweet. It's nothing at all like what I envisioned, um, but it's much, much better and healthier. I think. Sounds really rich. And it's a beautiful story that I don't always hear either. I don't always hear that angle. And for everyone that feels like they're not doing it the traditional way, it can be done in whatever context you created. So I've noticed that you shared some wise advice from other homeschool coaches or homeschool authors on your website. And it was specifically the best advice for new homeschoolers. There was a discussion from Leslie Martino, which is a homeschool coach. And she says, can you remember a time when you learned something new or when doing or seeing something sparked an interest that excited you? If you did, you probably learned so much in the process, not just about your area of interest, but about yourself too. Children are no different. They're probably a myriad of things with which they and all of us could potentially fall in love. When they are genuinely interested in something they're learning, there's the potential for the depth and breadth of their knowledge to be great. So they need the time, the materials and guidance to develop those interests. So that's just a snippet of what she shares. And you've got other people that share also about uh, what advice they would give to the homeschool curious is what I call it. You have the opportunity to always be listening in to other veteran homeschool mamas and things that they have to share with the homeschool community. Would you share some of the things that you've gleaned from them about addressing homeschool overwhelm? Yeah, I would say one of the things that stands out to me in all the conversations I've had is just the willingness to be open to the day as it unfolds, to your children as they're growing. Um, we love our plans, right? I'm just like everyone else. I love making my homeschool plans. It's probably the most fun part of homeschooling is getting to buy all the books and make yeah. all the plans. Um, but we have to hold that loosely because, um, because if we cling too tightly to what we think we want, then we miss out on the beauty of the day as it unfolds and we miss out on so much that our children are showing us they're interested in. I'm interrupting this episode to invite you to connect with me. If you'd like someone to walk alongside you as you tackle a homeschool or a life challenge, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not quite sure why, but you'd like to identify it and address it, or you know you have big emotions in your homeschool and you don't have a plan for them, then you are invited to connect with me. If you're a new homeschool mama or an established homeschool mama, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, self-coaching courses, group coaching options, and workbooks on all of these topics. And if you haven't yet downloaded the time audit for the homeschool mama, you can find that resource over at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Now back to the episode. Recently, uh, I had planned to read a Shakespeare play with our kids from uh, Charles and Mary Lamb's Shakespeare yeah. stories. Yeah, you probably know that. Know those yet? 
And so I had kind of on my mind, okay, we're going to do this one play, then we're going to move on to other things. And they really took a hold of that play. They wanted to like take their stuffed animals and make them into the different characters. And they were picking, well, this animal is kind of wild. And so that should be this character because he has these qualities. And they made little name tags for all the stuffed animals. And they just wanted to keep reading that same story over and over and over and acting it out. And I have this little voice in my head that's like, well, but on my paper that I made, we're supposed to be moving on to yes. other topics. <laughs> and it, and I think there's that that fear sometimes that we we're going to be behind or we're going to there's yeah. going to be gaps. And so we just keep driving. Um, but, you know, thanks to all of these wise homeschool moms that have poured into me, I thought, okay, no, we don't have to keep driving forward towards some arbitrary benchmark. We right. can just let them enjoy this experience. And if they stay with it for a week, that's great. If they want to stay with it for a month, I will be there with them in that I will read the story over and over again, and that's fine. Um, but just letting them, uh, you know, letting them take from it what they want to take from it. And when they want to stay with the topic, you stay there with them. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I've, I've really taken from the conversations that I've gotten to have. Was that much ado about nothing? I noticed you recommended on your homeschool mama reading list. Yes. Yep. That was the one that was, that we, uh, we read this summer. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Charles and Mary Lamb. That's a really interesting way. The, the stories that they've created. I don't remember if that was back in the fifties or sixties that they wrote that it was maybe I'm misquoting that, but it's been a while, yeah, but it's so. a, a giant leap forward or a giant jump from when was Shakespeare? 1500s, 1600s. I might edit that out. <laughs> I think you're in the right ballpark. Did I know that or is that a gap? No, I'm going to leave it there. So somewhere <laughs> way back then and reading it from the original Shakespeare to Charles and Mary Lamb, a big jump. Yes. <laughs> it really helps us to understand it. But I think that's super cute that your kids were actually creating scenes or characters from Much Ado About Nothing. My kids, when we were reading it, we would go in the backyard and we built a big stage. And then we took these old red velvet curtains and tried to create an actual stage. And probably it's still there because it's so far. <laughs> <the place. laughs> that was that was such a fun memory too. So just allowing your kids to dig deep and keep going in whatever their interest is, instead of trying to ascribe to this or, or reach this arbitrary end goal. That's that really great wisdom. What other things have you learned from homeschool moms? I think uh, probably one of the things I think about often that many, many of the guests we've had on the podcast have shared is uh, maybe similar to the previous point, but just kind of um, not letting your fear or intimidation of what's ahead Mm -hmm. um, hold you back from the present moment. I know when I first started homeschooling and I had little, little, you know, like three and five-year-olds, people yeah. would ask me when they found out I was planning to homeschool, well, what are you going to do when they get to calculus? Or what about teaching them algebra? Do you know how to do that? <laughs> and nope. I remember That's thinking like, <laughs> That's so far away from now, but we really can we really can worry about things like that, you know, that 
the stage that we're instead of enjoying the stage that we're in, we get so consumed with anxiety about challenges that may or may not come up. Um, and I know for me, there have been certain times where I've tried to sort of anticipate, oh, this stage is coming up and my child's probably going to have this challenge. So let me put these things in place to kind of try to smooth that over. And we get to that stage. And the thing that I've been focused on isn't even an issue at all. They just glide right past that. And there's some completely different thing that trips them up um, <laughs> that I, that wasn't even on my radar. So yep. it's like, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't plan these things out. You, if you are letting yourself, you know, fixate on potential problems that could crop up down the road, um, that's not going to do you any good. It just burns up so much of your energy um, to, and takes away from what you're trying to do in the present. Um, and I've been so encouraged by hearing from homeschoolers like you and so many others who have seen this process through to the end. Their kids are in high school and college now. And just, um, it seems like the, the message from everyone is um, that if you love your kids and you give them autonomy and you help them kind of think through where they want to get to and then work backwards yeah. um, to sort of scaffold there, uh, then you can design a really rich education for them that's tailored to what they're specifically interested in, um, that aligns with their passions and gives them what they need, the tools they need to succeed in adulthood. Um, but you just have to stay present. Exactly. I was saying that to a homeschool mom this morning who is going into her, I think it's her second, third year, um, a uh, COVID homeschool family. Maybe I shouldn't characterize it that way. But anyways, you know what I mean. And she was saying that she's starting to feel like, okay, she can really just be more present. But there's always the sense of maybe I'm not going to be good enough. Maybe what I'm doing isn't good enough. And there is always that potential feeling within us but that good enough sometimes that good enough feeling suggests that you are able to predict the future or know how to be present in the future to address all the things that might come up which sounds strangely reminiscent to the notion of being god <laughs> and that is <laughs> not as a it's not a possibility so then we are with our child right now, allowing for them to be who they are right now, to be fully present in whatever much ado about nothing or whatever it is right now. And that'll shift too. Uh, it'll keep shifting. But if they are right here right now, then get, they'll get really clear on what they're all about or what they want to do next. And they might be able to miss that midlife crisis that the rest of us who've been encouraged to go through college in a certain way and, and get a certain education and get a certain career and get a certain number in the bank account or a double car garage for our house or a vacation to Hawaii every year, and then ask ourselves, why are we doing this at the age of 50, 60? Maybe they can curtail that entire, you know, midlife crisis thing and be right in the moment right now at seven, then 13, then 15. That's super exciting to me to watch that. And you're right. I have the vantage point now of looking back. Um, and I remember being like that and thinking like that. And now I'm seeing my kids expand and flourish and go, okay. So it turns out the veteran homeschool mom was right. They will find their way. So tell me what other things that you've learned from homeschool moms. I think one of the one of the pieces that has been really powerful 
for me in terms of this issue of overwhelm and kind of navigating that as a homeschooler um, is growing in self-awareness. Um, and that's one of those things that it's not something that you snap your fingers and it's done. Um, but over the years, it's something that I've been working on. Um, and now at this point, I can see some of the fruit of that. Um, I remember when I had little, little ones, so often I would just be overcome with anxiety or overcome with anger. Um, and it seemed like it just sort of sprang up in a moment, um, out of nowhere and things would be coming out of my mouth and I would be thinking, where on earth is this coming from? This isn't the kind of mom that yeah. I want to be. And then of course there's shame that comes along with that, that just compounds everything. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's been really, really helpful to kind of have these to sort of stop throughout the day and have a moment to check in and say, okay, how am I actually feeling in this moment instead of yeah. just plowing through to the next thing on my to-do list? Because I think looking back, there would be times where I would notice, yeah, I'm getting kind of anxious or yeah, I'm getting kind of frustrated, but yeah. there's nothing I can do about it now because I have to make this meal or change this diaper or get through this lesson. And I would just keep pushing through and not doing anything to tend to those, uh, those emotions. And so I would get, you know, ramping up from a seven to an eight to a nine to this explosion yeah. um, without ever checking in along the way. And now I feel like I'm more often able to notice when I'm down at like a three or a four, oh, I'm getting kind of agitated. Maybe I should stop and take a few deep breaths, or maybe I need to go out and take a quick walk around the block, or maybe I should go get a glass of water and take a minute here instead of plowing on to the next thing. Um, and I think it, for me, as kind of more of a perfectionist type person, just stepping back like that is so difficult because I want to get all the things on my list done. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to take a moment to, to do that kind of, um, you know, that kind of pause. It feels inefficient. It feels like I'm wasting time or something. Yeah. Um, but what I've learned is you can short circuit <laughs> so much stress in the long run if you just attend to those feelings when they're at the lower levels instead of letting it escalate to this big blow up that then you have to repair. And of course that still happens, you know, but still happens. but, but there are times when it's like, oh yeah, I need to go for a walk right now. And then I need to come back to this later. And the whole world is not going to fall apart. If someone has to wait 15 minutes to get their peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like, <laughs> it's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, that, and I think part of that too, is recognizing that I'm not God, like we were talking about earlier, like it's going to be okay. If I, you know, acknowledge your reality, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, do everything. Yes. It's remarkable to me that, like you said, practicing the pause, that's actually a phrase that I use. And I found it so difficult in the beginning. I had such a, uh, reactive, instinctively reactive nature to things that made me feel threatened 
and which could be many, many things and very small things. And over the course of time, I realized that sometimes if I was at that 10 or that nine or 10, the best thing I could do was actually turn on my heels and walk away before I did anything. And that was the beginning stages of me learning that there was self-awareness actually helps me to create a, a pause or a space between my reaction and in, you know, deciding instead to respond and what is the response that I want to choose. And so sometimes in the beginning, it was just turn on your heels, walk away, go take a deep breath, lay on the yoga mat, or talk to myself in the mirror, like a friend, which sounds weird, but it works. And, um, you know, you look at your angry or your sad or your overwhelmed face, and then you say, oh, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. And, and engage yourself like you would a friend. You wouldn't be self-condemning. You would actually say, oh, I'm so sorry that you yelled at your kids this morning, rather than you should not have yelled at your kids because that is very, very bad and damaging and traumatic. You would never say that to your friend, even though you know it, she knows it, you're good. That's established. What you need to hear is, I'm sorry that that made you feel that way. And do you want to talk about it? You want to tell me what was going on before? Let's talk about the pause. What is it when you practice that pause? What are you able to identify within yourself? What is going on in here? What was your feeling before? What was the thought behind the feeling? What was the story of the thoughts behind the feeling? And then over the course of time, it starts to unravel. And to me, it's remarkable that the real beauty in that is just disconnecting from the immediate response or reactivity and creating a pause. And like you said, breathing or very simple things. It's remarkable to me how effective that self-awareness approach is. So I really appreciate you reinforcing that and sharing that. That's for sure for me, one of the biggest things I've learned as a homeschool mom. Lots of opportunity to learn that. Yes. It's funny. One of my like habits <laughs> that I put in place is if I notice I'm starting to get kind of agitated, I'll go walk to the mailbox, I call it. And we have a mailbox that's, you know, down the lane a little ways. So it takes maybe 10 minutes to walk to the mailbox and back. But my kids will all roll their eyes now and kind of be like, Mom, you've walked to the mailbox three times already today. There's not going to be any mail there. <laughs> but but to me, that's just okay. my little like, okay, get some fresh air, get some sunshine, move my body a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing how different you feel. I mean, it doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference, but I find for me, I come back in a very different place often. Yeah. You really do need to have a plan for that because this will be your reality. All, all homeschool mamas know that within a few years. I don't know about you, but I, I, I had this idealistic idea that this would not be a concern for me because we were going to live in homeschool utopia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where I also every year read Well-Trained Mind by Susan Weisbauer and tried to keep it, keep that routine for three years too. <laughs> I'm amazed that you made it three years, Teresa. That's, oh, yeah. that's a lot, actually. <laughs> that's a record, I think. <laughs> Even she herself spoke about it not working. And Susan Weisbauer with, I don't remember if it was her third or fourth child, but I was trying very hard to be a classical homeschool purist <laughs> until I wanted to put them on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> 
you have a summer reading list on your website as well. And these are books that you've pulled from your, you know, your, your reader. Actually, we're connected on Goodreads. I know very few people that read as much as you do. So I love that. <laughs> is that like a prereq to work with Christian books? Uh, no, it's not. But it is a really nice benefit because you get to hear about so many great books that are coming out. And every once in a while, you see some laying around that you can snag. So it definitely has, has enhanced my reading life. But yeah, I have a, I have a tendency to read many, many books at once, yeah. uh, which, which probably isn't the best way to do things. Um, but yeah, I love, I've always loved to read. That's been a big part of me since I was real little. And such a privilege as a homeschool family, because we're always reading and it's par for the expectation really of what we're doing as homeschool parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been so fun to get to share books that I enjoyed as a kid with my kids now. Mm -hmm. And uh, every night we have kind of a read aloud time before we go to bed and we take different turns picking what we're going to read next. Um, and that's just been such a such a big part of our life together as a family. My husband is not a reader. He didn't grow up reading for pleasure ever um, and probably would, you know, choose not to read anything if he didn't need to. Uh, it's just not how he is wired to spend his time. Um, but getting to kind of experience books together as a family has been really, really fun. So so you have a list for homeschool moms for their summer reading, which I love, yes. as you know. <laughs> There's a reason I did the homeschool mama book club, and it wasn't because I wanted to, like... I just wanted to talk about books and whatever books I was talking about and your summer reading list. I love, uh, there's a couple books on there. I'm like, absolutely. That Amber O'Neill Johnson book, a place to belong and body keeps the score. What a yes. book. So those are two of your favorite books. Yeah. They're two that I'm, I'm reading both of them right now and the body keeps the score. I'm actually, this is my second time going through it. So yeah, I, I think that book is really insightful and um, for people who are trying to think through trauma or gaining self-awareness, all of these issues we've been talking about. Um, there's so much good research on that and it's written in a very relatable way, I feel like. Um, but yeah. It's that's a great one. And Amber, I feel like she would be a great person for you to have on the podcast one of these days. Yeah. She um, I know you and I are both big fans of Julie Bogart. And I feel like Amber is is a kindred spirit. Her work and Julie's work really pair together really nicely, I think. So, yeah, so I'm really enjoying us, her book. Can you give us a synopsis of A Place to Belong or what you're gaining from that book? Yeah, I feel like Amber is she does such a great job with her work on her blog and in the book, um, just helping people think through how they can create safety and a sense of um, security in the home atmosphere, which we talk about a lot as homeschoolers, but also incorporating in this piece of, um, we have our family and we're safe here together but also there are all these other different ways of being in the world. And there are people all over the planet who are not like us, who have different, you know, ways of being in the world, different values, different culture, different food, different music. Um, and there is this amazing 
rich world out there that we get to discover. And so how can we um, steward our own family legacy and our own stories um, and where our family has been um, and kind of hold on to that and pass that legacy on to our children, but also help them to engage with people who are completely different than them and recognizing the beautiful things that um, that are, you know, that every family has to contribute uh, and the kind of depth of relationship that can come when we bring the fullness of ourself to interact with the fullness of another person. Um, yes. It's just a connecting in a way that we don't experience if we don't start out in that place of rootedness. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think Amber is brilliant. That very much reminds me of the Brene books about being authentic and vulnerable. And I think vulnerability is something that we need to harness in very specific environments. It shouldn't be a default setting with anyone at any time, but authenticity should be. And certainly from my experience, you know, I had true social anxiety in my early uh, my late teens, early 20s. And you would not guess it now because I can talk to literally anybody. And I've had a long journey, long journey of really owning who I am and affirming who I am, even in all of my imperfections and in all the areas that I still need to grow, but affirming myself just like I want to be able to affirm each of my kids. And I've learned partly because of traveling, uh, probably a big chunk of my life um, or a big chunk of our homeschool, we were traveling about half time, half of the year and discovering people that lived same, uh, you know, same experiences, big experiences in life, like uh, marriage and children and having met people that had very different experiences of marriage and children in the same years that I did. And yet they were living, say this one lady I met in Eastern Africa, she married someone that is equivalent to a medical physician, I'm married to a medical physician. And um, she married someone over there in a similar role on the same year, had three kids the same years that I did and had a thousand square foot shamba, they called it, like a farm. And her home was built of clay and I forget what they call it, but it was essentially animal scat. I don't know what you call that. And every morning she would repaste her home and it was so different as a structure than my home. It was so much smaller, so much less privacy than I was accustomed to, not indoor plumbing, no indoor heating. Um, but the home, the shamba, the farm was pristine and it was so organized and she had all of her belongings clean and carefully placed. And I just thought, oh, that could have been me if I were born in this time of the world at this place in the world and had a totally different life experience. And yet, her and I can connect on a mother level. We can connect on the being married to a physician with all those story level. And I just thought this is remarkable that we are very different and yet so very similar. So traveling helped me to understand that too. And I love getting inside of other people's experiences, obviously, or so I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, and really recognizing the commonality and the beauty of other people's stories informing my own. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I think Amber, if I'm not mistaken, 
she has a goal for her family that they will spend a significant amount of time on each continent um, that they'll travel um, and kind of embed themselves in another culture for you know not just like a pop in for a few days kind of thing but they'll actually settle in she's already done south america i think and then they had some plans to go another place but the pandemic kind of put all that on hold so um but she's she has that as a goal for her family that um you know part of their part of their homeschooling will be this kind of travel and embedding in other cultures and experiencing diversity so beautiful so cool so you had this vision of what your homeschool was like before you even had kids and then you had your kids and you've been homeschooling for how many years now? Um, so we're starting our seventh year. So you are well established in homeschooling now you've got your groove or at least you have a sense of how things roll. So where do you see your homeschool going? That's such a great question. Oh, I love that. Where do we see our homeschool going? I think you can predict it necessarily, but you know, you're right. Yeah. I think I would say probably one of the, one of the things that we've sort of learned as my husband and I have been doing this is that we're not, uh, he and I are not the most high energy people. Um, and knowing that about ourselves and kind of leaning into that and embracing the freedom of that and not uh, trying to do as much as some other people you might see online and on homeschool blogs who have, you know, 10 or 12 different subjects that they're covering with each kid each semester. Um, we've just come to accept the fact that that is not us um, and that's okay. And so we uh, very much try to do a few things and do them well um, and take our time. Uh, we're, we're definitely comfortable uh, slowing down and taking things at our own pace. And so I would say that's probably very likely to continue as we go forward, just kind of discerning um, with each child year by year, okay, what's really important for this stage now? Um, and how can we how can we incorporate that? And um, I always say I try to be ruthlessly selective about what we do um, because I've experienced that it's much more pleasant to kind of start with a bare bones uh, schedule for yourself and then say, hey, we, we have a lot of breathing room here. We could add uh, another thing in as opposed to starting with your day packed to the minute um, and getting two or three weeks in and collapsing right from exhaustion um so and spending a ton of money doing it <laughs> yeah. yes yeah yep that's easy to do too yeah so what would you say uh, you know you were talking about self-awareness and growing in self-awareness I know I've learned a ton about myself and continue to and that will be a lifelong journey but especially homeschooling it just compels you to deal with you and see you in ways you weren't expecting. What have you been learning about yourself? Mm, I think one of the things that I've really been reflecting on lately, and I mean, I've been reflecting on this for a long time, so <laughs> probably won't be going away anytime soon, but just, uh, just thinking through um, 
what my values are as an individual and ways in which I'm letting other people's values kind of seep into my thinking and dictate certain um, thoughts and feelings and behaviors when those aren't even really values that I hold, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, it makes sense, girlfriend. It really does. (laughs) And they're done that. It's called boundaries in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So for me, journaling is a huge part of that, of just, you know, getting what I'm getting the thoughts that are swirling in my mind out onto the page and something about that physical writing, it Mm -hmm. sort of externalizes everything and lets you think, is this something that I even care about? (laughs) You know, like this thing that's taking up so much space and so much mental energy, um, is that is that me? And sometimes it is, sometimes it is something that's really important to me. And I want to put some time and energy there. Um, and you know, sometimes my priorities have gotten out of alignment and there is something that's really important to me. And that anxiety is saying, Hey, come (laughs) give this some attention. Um, but very often it's other people's ideas or something I read or something I saw on social media or some question some stranger asked me in the grocery store that has set me on this cycle of, you know, spinning around and around. And that's not even, you know, it's not even a person that is important to me. It's not even values that, uh, that I care about. And so learning to sort of release some of that, um, and to kind of step back again, the stepping back and sort of um, looking at it from an outside perspective and saying, what do we want to do with this feeling? What do we want to do with this thought? Is this something we want to hang on to, or is this something we can let go here? Um, but journaling has been really helpful for me in sort of getting that perspective. Yeah. I love journaling. I started when I was seven and this last year, I'm, that was the first thing I bought with my allowance was a little green lock journal. And I don't know what my kids are going to do after I pass away and they have <laughs> a library of journals downstairs, but um, it, it's always helped me process things too. This last year as I've, um, or last, I guess, two years, whoo, lost track of time. Anyways, November, 2019, when I started coaching formally, I have learned a lot from a lot of the people that I'm engaging And, you know, obviously they're learning a lot about themselves as we have conversations, but I'm learning a lot from them. And this last year, I'm trying to think, how can I enable them to go deeper into the things that really matter for them? And so as I I, I started creating journaling workbooks and I'm doing these like for boundaries or overwhelm or big emotions or all these things. And after, I don't know, the seventh one, I realized clearly I value journaling. <laughs> like <laughs> this is obviously a thing. There's just something I've learned that physiologically there is a connection in different parts of your brain. So the writing and the, the thinking, um, the cognitive, the, the processing, connecting those two together, putting it on paper helps you to actually see it more clearly. And you would think that you just allowing your thoughts to keep, you know, ruminating inside there, that should be enough. But actually what we do is like a broken record. If anybody remembers what those are, you just like, it just keeps playing over and over and over and you don't get any clarity. So yeah, that journaling angle, that one's a powerful for one for me as well. 
one of my very, very favorite ones, you probably have this in all your journals, but someone I remember suggested to me when I was a new mom and I, you know, had a nursing baby and not getting any sleep and feeling like every day was the same, but we weren't accomplishing anything at all, um, which yeah. was tough for me to, <laughs> to wrap my head around. Uh, I, they said, well, just take your journal and write down three things that you did well that day. Even if it's something small, like I made lunch, yes. <laughs> you know, <or> like, <laughs> it can be very simple. <laughs> doesn't have to be, you know, this monumental task, but I have been blown away. Like if I notice myself kind of getting into a low space or I'm in some kind of a funk, if I just for a couple of days, jot down three things I did well today. Yeah. It, it does something really, really powerful. And it's so simple. Um, it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take money. It, you don't have to, you know, go on a cruise or something. It's very uh, accessible to all of us, but just little things like that can be so powerful. Mm -hmm, exactly. A beautiful that you're acknowledging yourself for what you're doing. I'm always in awe when people say, just plan three things today. And that's all you need to do is three. I'm like, three things? This is not possible for me <laughs> as a two, two wing one, two wing three. I don't know, but I am like, I got my list and it's, you know, three general categories of life stuff. Sure. Okay. But yeah, I'm with you. Sometimes you need to honor, acknowledge what you're actually doing instead of checking to see if you haven't done all the things that you thought you could do. One of the most effective things that I learned to um, address overwhelm in that realm actually is to time block to spend a week writing down everything I did. Mm -hmm. And I, that in itself is a lot of effort, but writing everything you do and how long it takes reality check for me. Cause my expectation was wildly unrealistic. And then I could see that, um, nope, this is more like a 72 hour day. Can't do it. <laughs> I have to cut a few things. And also I love, I really should interview Susan Weisbauer one day too, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. but trying to enact her book in the first three years, definitely more than 72 hours a day. Yeah. And my six and eight year old could only do so many reloads every day and so many pages of dictation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. We kind of do almost a time blocking thing. I wonder if it's similar with our, with our homeschool. So we have kind of like, this is the window of the day that you work on math yeah. this is the window of the day that you work on language arts and if you don't get it done in that time of the day then we're moving on <laughs> Always tomorrow. Gonna, yes we'll come back to it tomorrow um so that's really that's really great I love that so do you have any other advice that you'd like to share with homeschool moms yeah I would just love to encourage everyone um that you have the freedom to discern what is right for your family. Um, you don't have to look at what someone else is doing and try to uh, copy it onto your own homeschool. Um, you can look at the children that you have in front of you and you can look at your own passions as a mom and you get to incorporate all of that into your life. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of times we are so used to what school looks like from our own childhood experiences, or we are so um, 
used to comparing ourselves to what we see other people doing. Um, but I, I really think the sooner you can let go of that and the sooner you can tune into your unique kids, um, the better off you're going to be as a homeschool parent, the, the healthier you're going to be as a mom, uh, and the more enjoyable homeschooling is going to be for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much, there's so much freedom. Um, there's so many solutions that are creative and kind of outside the box. And if you are trying kind of what you see everybody else is doing and it's not turning out the way you want it to turn out, just keep trying other things. Um, because there's just this endless process of tweaking, um, as our children grow and change and as we grow and change, and as we learn how to, how to teach, as we learn, um, what we're passionate about. Um, but you, you get to set the course that is right for your family. So beautiful. Amen, girlfriend. (laughs) And that freedom, that freedom is for you too, as a homeschool mom, you're coming into your own as well. And as you do that, you're enabling it for your kids. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Yes. You as a mom, get a seat at the table too, right? It's not just about what what academic material your children need to cover your needs and your passions are part of that. You are part of the family um, and your kids need what you have to bring to the world as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Where do we find you online, Amy? Uh, I would love to connect with your people on the homeschool compass podcast of wherever they're listening right now, they can just pop over there. Um, I am not as prolific a podcaster as you are, Teresa. We, we try to get a conversation out about once a month or so. Um, but there, there are a lot of talking with, um, older experienced homeschoolers who are kind of reflecting back on their years and what they've learned, um, and what advice they have to give to those of us that are in the trenches of homeschooling. Um, we also share on social media pretty regularly at homeschool compass on Instagram and Facebook. Um, just try to share encouragement and inspiration, um, so that there's something positive and uplifting in your feed. Um, so we would love to connect with you all there. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate this conversation and I hope everybody has been encouraged. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. I'm honored to get to talk to you. This is really fun. Thanks for joining me today. I'd love to hear your thoughts or questions. So head over to my website, capturingthecharmlife.com and introduce yourself and your homeschool to me. If you're looking to enhance your homeschool community with other supportive, authentic homeschool mamas who want to show up on purpose in their homeschools and lives, then you're invited to the Homeschool Mama Patreon support group. You can find that at patreon.com slash homeschoolmamasupportgroup. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your homeschool family. Until next week, I hope that you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend.